This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League Podcast. My name is Josh, and I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? Josh, to be honest, I was kind of down in the dumps for for like a week now, but uh, we've been getting so many people on Twitter saying that I'm doing a good job on the podcast, which has made me feel good. I mean, despite my inability to say Kieran Trippier's name, right? right. Both, I think both uh, of us like the the trippy a the, the the pretentious French pronunciation of his name. Yeah, I was under the assumption that uh, Kieran Trippier played bass guitar in the the uh, the French band Phoenix, <laughs> the famous verse band from Versailles. So you're not you're not down in the dumps after uh, I crushed you in our draft on Saturday night. You crushed me. Uh, I'm not that sure about that. You're the one. Response. You're you're the one that drafted um, two goalkeepers that you can't really rotate, and Alexis Sanchez, who <laughs> probably isn't going to be in the league when the season starts. All right, we'll get to we'll get to him in a second here. But it was okay. So we've done like 80 plus episodes at this point, right? Was that was that the single most ridiculous episode we've done? Yeah, we really put ourselves out there. I mean, uh, the draft game sort of uh, has its roots in America, and we, uh, if it's not painfully obvious to all of you listening, we are American. So you'd think we'd be really good at conducting a live team fantasy draft. Uh, the last episode of the podcast revealed that we're clearly not. We're clearly, like, terrible right. it's at kind it. Of like, it's kind of like learning how to sing and play the guitar at the same time. You know, it's really... You kind of, <laughs> I can't even do that thing where I tap my head and rub my belly at the same time. <laughs> it, was, it was a tricky episode. So the thing that you got the most grief for, although I, I, can't, I can't say that I recognized it in real time either, which is that I had filled up all my forward slots. You, you effectively could have waited until the 15th round to take your final forward. Yeah, yeah, that sort of strategy unveiled itself throughout the, throughout the draft, which 
it seemed like kind of common knowledge that was the strategy going. Like if if you completed your forward lineup, I could just hold on to those slots until the draft was over because I wasn't competing with it's, you it's, for it's strikers very anymore. If you stop and think about it, maybe it was because we took almost six hours to get that like setup going at your apartment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, you you also kept saying to me before we hit record, I don't think I'm drunk enough for right. this yet. It's, yeah, that was true. I, I didn't feel rowdy. <laughs> So, so <laughs> that, that, that's the key. You got to be rowdy for a live draft. It's a fun episode, if only to figure out what what not to do. Uh, but I feel like, um, and, you know, we'll talk about our team later on in the season. But uh, our, our draft teams, that is. But I think that um, it made me feel like for this episode, we had to kind of bring a ray game. We had to do some, you know, once every as infrequently as possible. I'll say that we do some actual research, right? We do some like proper work where we read articles and think about some things. And, uh, and this is sort of part one of a two part episode where we look at all of the, all the teams that are in the premier league next season. Uh, and, uh, we, we break it up into two podcast episodes. So this podcast episode is, uh, Arsenal through Liverpool. And then next week will be uh, man city through West Ham. And to be clear, no, no more draft in, in these couple of episodes coming up. This is all down and dirty, real classic FPL talk. Right. I mean, there's no real difference. We're still talking about prices and, and fit and our, our assessments of players. I mean, I, th- I think it works whether you're whether you're doing draft or other, otherwise. We go both ways at this point. <laughs> or ACDC. So, Brandon, have you heard about this fantasy football magazine? Josh, have I heard of it? I'm actually a subscriber. Uh, I became a subscriber of Fantasy Football Mag when they, they kind of did their soft launch at the tail end of last season. But now they're they're in full force. They're shipping worldwide. They're print magazine. It's coming out once a month. And the people, the very amazing people over at FF Mag have given us an exclusive always cheating promotion. And we're making this promotion for the magazine available just to our Patreon subscribers. So uh, I'm going to run through the, the three the three types of promotions we have with FF Mag. But if you're interested, just head over to patreon.com slash always cheating where you can become a member and take advantage of all this. So, Josh, are you ready for these three tiers of promotion? I am ready for these three tiers, Brandon. <laughs> okay, so the big grand prize that we're getting is if you're a Patreon member, you're in our Patreon supporters mini league, the winner at the end of the season gets a free year-long subscription to FF Mag. Now, if that's not cool, here's another cool thing. Once a month, FF Mag is going to be giving away one issue to a uh, an always cheating Patreon subscriber. And how we're going to do this is at the end of each month, the manager with the top score in our Patreon league that week leading into the end of the month is going to get that free copy uh, of FF Mag. And the final thing is, if you don't want to mess around with waiting till the end of the season to win a subscription, or if you don't want to wait till the end of the month, you just want a subscription outright. If you become a Patreon supporter of Always Cheating, we're going to get you a code for an immediate 10% discount on a subscription to FF Mag. So that's pretty cool, Very right? Very cool. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really, uh, yeah, anyone who listens to this podcast, or not anyone, but many people who listen to this podcast are already aware of the magazine, but it's got uh, you know, a ton of great um, sort of great voices, uh, people who are already talking about the fantasy game. Uh, someone like uh, Peter Blake, who we talked about on last week's episode, um, uh, Starting Eleven, which is a new app that's launching this fall, um, as well as FPL General and a host of other um, other folks. So um, yeah, just a big, big thank you to them. And just, Brandon, before we, um, 
And once again, you can go to always che- uh, patreon.com slash always cheating to learn more about that. Uh, before we move on to the, the heart of the episode, I just want to quickly thank, uh, we picked up a ton of new Patreon supporters in the last week, and I want to give everyone a, a quick thank. Uh, thanks, everyone who supported us. Uh, Connor Faith Azam, Jesse Halstead, Simon Liebau, uh, David Boucher, Jason Leisure, Nicola Steetham, Joe Dawson, Jan Spermaggi. Uh, I'm just killing half these names, I know. Uh, Ex- excellent pronunciation, uh, Josh. It's what we're known for. <laughs> Ricardo Antunes. That's what we are known for, terrible pronunciations. Uh, Ricardo Antunes and Jeremy Sofin, thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast. Uh, it's really uh, sincerely appreciated. Uh, and yeah, oh, oh, no, I was just going to well, mention, uh, Brandon, sorry to, sorry to cut you off there, but um, uh, make sure to pledge by August 11th if you want to join the head-to-head league that we started this year. Yeah, lots of interest in the head-to-head league. Um, yeah, and thanks. Even if you don't, if you you're not a Patreon subscriber, thanks for listening to Always Cheating. We're just kind of gearing up for the season now, so you're kind of suffering through some of these promotional preambles, <laughs> but. We generally just really appreciate you guys listening to Always Cheating. We have a great community of listeners. We love hearing from you uh, on Twitter, Facebook, everywhere we are. And whatever you can do now that the season is gearing up to help spread the word about Always Cheating, it's a lot of fun the more people are listening and engaging. So any retweets, Facebook likes um, you want to give to help. Someone in your mini league, right? Someone someone in your mini league who maybe isn't even on Twitter but just likes podcasts, right? If you just happen to notice somebody across the room who looks bored, they're just kind of staring into space and they're not listening to anything, they're not reading anything, maybe they'd enjoy listening to a fantasy football podcast. I have an iPhone, download the podcast app, you're all set. Yeah, I mean, iPhones don't really cost that much these days anyway. (laughs) All right, Brandon, let's take a quick break and let's get back with our team previews. Same old podcast, always cheating. Brandon, we're back. It's our 10-team preview. Uh, as far as I'm aware, there are only 10 teams in the uh, English Premier League. Uh, they start with Arsenal. Yeah, they're thinking about <laughs> expanding the league to 20, 20 teams at some point, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. But right now, as far as I know, unless my screen cut off, it starts with Arsenal and ends with uh, Liverpool. So, um, yeah, why, why are we doing just 10 teams? Yeah, because we tend to go on for about four hours uh, when we try to talk about all 20 teams. <laughs> So, so you did you did something cool with the running order here, Josh. Where we've got so the ten teams that we're doing Arsenal to Liverpool. There is a mini structure to each team, uh, and how are we going to break break each of these teams down? Yeah, so we're probably going to break this structure like almost immediately. But in theory, <laughs> uh, the structure is players to buy, players to avoid, and players to keep an eye on. Right. So players to buy are people that uh, you might want to consider bringing in, you know, right away or by the, your first wild card. Um, players to avoid are. Well, it's kind of obvious. And then the players to keep an eye on are players who um, are maybe unproven in the Premier League or, um, uh, you know, or just maybe the fixtures are terrible to start the season, um, as we'll see with a couple of these Or players. they have a, a hernia, like Junior Stanislaus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're also going to talk uh, briefly about these teams, like the uh, the opening fixtures they have, They're like roughly the first five fixtures, to see if they they look good or it's kind of a wait and see through the first month. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So... Uh, so with Arsenal, we had uh, I put out a call uh, on Twitter for some questions, and the first one by Phil Bowman really leads into the Arsenal category so well. He says, uh, "I'm a gooner, but I wonder if any Arsenal players should be anywhere near anyone's FPL team. We have a defense like Man City, just a little harsh in Arsenal's defense. Uh, don't know how Locke is going to settle, and Alexis is very expensive if he's even still there." Yeah, so. 
Yeah, Alexis is an interesting one. I guess we'll get into it when you talk about uh, your buy, avoid, keep an eye on. Uh, yeah, well, let's get right into it. So who, who, right yeah. who are the must-buys? Must-buy, I mean, okay, so play, the player to buy is, and the first one has uh, a huge asterisk because uh, we obviously don't know if it's going to be there at the start of next season, um, but it's uh, Alexis Sanchez, who is um, top scorer in the FPL last season. Um in almost nobody's fantasy team right now, I feel like when I'm looking at template teams, he's, he almost never shows up. Uh, despite right. Well, what goals. do you think the odds are that he's going to be on this team? Seventy five percent. You think that that they're that big? Yeah, I mean, you know, just I mean, I, I'm you know pretty big Arsenal supporter. I've you know read a ton of articles about them, and you know, I I, I think it's entirely possible that he is uh, you know in talks with PSG and that he's even a great contract terms, but. Um, Arsenal don't want to move him, and I think they think it's in their economic interest not to move him because uh, him going away makes it hard for them to get in the Champions League next year. And, I mean, you know, they might make 40 or $50 million if they sell him, but what do you get for a season of Champions League football, right? It's, it's, it's equivalent. So um, it just doesn't, it doesn't necessarily make good financial sense for them to get rid of him, even, even though he could walk for free next year. Yeah, I guess we can talk about this in fantasy terms just in a moment, but I just wonder about this modern age, and not to sound like a total pundit right now, but the modern age of the footballer where they just sort of like cry until they get what they want. And it, will it will it devolve into a situation where Alexis really wants a move, he doesn't get it, and suddenly he's training alone, Adebayor style, for the next six months? Yeah, I don't think so. And I, first of all, he just loves to play so much. I mean, he's like the last guy who would do that, right? I mean, like, yeah. the idea of Alexis not playing. I mean, I think it might be like the Luis Suarez situation where, you know, Suarez almost, uh, almost moved before his final season at uh, Liverpool. And, uh, you know, he ultimately stayed and he had he put up a fantastic year and then he left for a boatload in a slightly different situation because uh, he was still under contract with Liverpool. So they could still move him for a fortune. Um, but I, I think I don't think Arsenal want to sell him. I also think they, they really don't want to sell him to Man City. So I don't, I don't think that would happen. I think if it was going to be anywhere to be outside the, the league. Um, but just a little, let's assume he is for fantasy terms or for fantasy, you know, because it's a fantasy podcast, let's just talk about him as a, as a player that you <laughs> yeah, as a player you might have in your squad next year. Let's let's assume he stays. And, okay, yeah, yeah great. I, I'm assuming I accept your right, premise, and I'm assuming if he stays, that he will play just as hard as he always plays. Do we agree on that? Yeah, totally. I mean, the guy is is just a pure athlete and a competitor. I do not doubt that at all. Uh, he, and and I, I would just like re, a rejoinder to me being devil's advocate. Um, I do think if he stays, it's not going to turn into that that modern situation where he just detaches himself emotionally from the team. Yeah. He will get on that pitch and he will play to win every totally, time. I totally agree. Uh, so he is so twelve million. You know, he's he's pretty expensive. It kind of breaks up your team to bring him in. I, I mean, to be honest, I'm not planning to start with him in my squad. And even if I knew he was staying, I, I'm a little worried about it for one thing because you know he played in the Confederations Cup this summer. He plays he's played every summer for so long. I. I do worry about a possible slow start, and you know I'm not really sure what's going to happen with Lacazette too. I mean, um, how that changes the way that Alexis plays. I mean, does he score less goals as a result? You know, is he? I mean, he, I, yeah. The, the striker position has been very much in flux for the last couple of seasons for Arsenal. They've they've dabbled with Giroud and Welbeck, and uh, obviously Lucas Perez didn't work out at all. Alexis and Walcott sort of. And, uh, yeah, I think Lacazette being an out-and-out, true, proven European striker 
changes the game in a, in a way that it hasn't at Arsenal for a long yeah, time. So let's we'll, we'll jump down to him real quick just while we're talking about it because it makes sense to talk about these guys in tandem. Uh, and, and they're very similar players in a lot of ways, too. So Lacazette, uh, he's, he's 10.5 million in the fantasy game. Uh, he's 26 years old, so he's you know, pretty proven. He, he's a pretty consistent scorer. Uh, played you know almost enti- his entire career with Lyon. I think he actually came through the, through the Lyon uh, youth system. Uh, scored 125 goals in 275 games with 43 assists. Uh, he had 37 goals in 45 games for Lyon last season. Uh, he That's not bad. Not bad. He registered uh, 31 <laughs> successful tackles last term, which is more than any forward in the Premier League. So in theory, he is a real bonus point magnet, too. And I don't know if you've seen any clips of him. He's, you know, he's only five foot nine, but he is, he's a really technically sound player. I mean, I think he's really going to be an Arsenal fan favorite. He's, he's just, yeah. yeah, he seems, he seems really adept at controlling close control and bringing the ball down comfortably inside the box under pressure. Exactly. And he's, he's not a Lucas press. I mean, this is, this, this guy can really play. And I think in some ways he's, he's getting a little denigrated, maybe because he's coming from the French league. Much like Ibrahimovic last season. Sorry, guys. I mean, it, but Ibra was the same <laughs> I, thing, right? It was like, oh, well, Ibra scored, you know, a million goals for PSG, but can he do it in the Premier League? Well, he did right away, right? And so... It's it's slightly different with Lacazette in that, as you were saying, he's basically spent his whole life in um, in the French League, whereas Zlatan just kind of like roamed around every other league until he eventually landed in the Premier League for a season. And That's true. That's true. Um, as it, some of our listeners pointed out, you can't disparage league uh, because the last two players of the year were uh, Hazard and Conte, both uh, from the French League. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think he's so Lacazette is a player that I am I'm tempted to bring into my squad uh, right off the bat, which um it probably it probably really uh, just identifies what an Arsenal homer I am, uh, mm-hmm. but I just I, I just feel like guys like that. He's, he's a little bit. He reminds me, and this is a weird comparison to make with me, but it's a little bit like Troy Deeney. Remember when Troy Deeney came in from from Watford a couple of years ago, and he wasn't really in anyone's squad at the start, but we all kind of felt, or at least I felt like you know he he was a player who could deliver because he had scored three goals twenty seasons in a row in the championship, and the championship is not the is not the Premier League, but. That kind of consistent goal scoring is usually a skill that translates, right? Regardless of the league that you're in. Um, so sure. I, I do think that um, I, I think he's going to get a ton of goals. I don't know if he's going to get 30 goals, but I think he could get, you know, 20 to 25 for the course of a season. And just you know whether you're willing to take the risk on um, you know on starting the season with him. All right, let, let's get let's get real here, Josh. So we're still talking about Lacazette. You, it sounds like you're talking about him in terms of buy, buy this player, but you have him listed as keep an eye on. So what's the reservation? Yeah, well, I just think, I mean, he's expensive. I mean, you know, $10.5 yeah. when that money could go towards even someone like Alvaro Morata, I think it's probably a better, as uh, a safer bet in, the, in that price range. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he's yeah. done it at Real Madrid and, and Juve, right? I mean, it's just a higher level. Right. Um, so I, I think it's I think it's a little risky, and I think the Alexa situation complicates things a little bit too. I actually think, you know, you could end up having both of those players at some point in the season. I mean, I, I don't know. I think their skills complement each other. I mean, technically gifted players who are scrappy and love to score goals are not players that. I mean, those, you know, look at Barcelona, right? I mean, those players can certainly fit in well together. So. Yeah, it's an interesting conundrum if you think about a lot of people are trying to pair Harry Kane and Romelu Lukaku. 
the the most expensive strikers in the game right now and they're finding it's it's really difficult to fill out the rest of their team but then if as you're saying you look at Lacazette and Morata as a pairing you're saving like two to three million right there which can really alter the structure of your midfield for the better that's true although I think it would be crazy to not have Lukaku at the start of the season uh, last thing I'll chime in on Lacazette about. We've got a lot of other Arsenal players to talk about, or <laughs> we're gonna spend, other we're teams, spend frankly. Arsenal because it's, it's <laughs> they're players that you want that you might want to have off the bat. I mean, there's just a, there's a lot of interesting fantasy prospects on this club. We're not going to spend 20 minutes on Brighton, for yeah. example. The real wait and see for me with Lacazette is the Europa League, and I have a suspicion, particularly in the early stages where um, competition is probably a little easier for a team of the caliber of Arsenal. I would expect that whatever rotation happens, that Lacazette is saved for league matches yep. uh, to bolster Arsenal's league position. And I like that versus Champions League teams where their star number nines might be held in certain league matches in favor of a midweek Champions League. You know, that's, that's interesting, actually. And that, that sort of makes the um, Lacazette versus um, Morata discussion kind of interesting, right? Because, you know, Botchwai has been tearing yeah. it up this offseason. Do you... Do you sometimes start Morata in a difficult Champions League game and then just start, and then bring him off the bench because you've got this this very capable backup striker in Bachwai who can start you know at home to Huddersfield Town or something like that? Yeah, it's true. I mean, Conte didn't. Well, we'll talk about we'll talk about uh, Chelsea in a moment. Right. I, I guess we should we should move on to other yeah. Arsenal well, players. Let's go through a couple of these a little more quickly. Uh, so the, the other player I have to buy is uh, is uh, Shorta Mustafi, who's five point five million. It's a really affordable price for an Arsenal uh, defender. Uh, he, you know, his numbers last season were actually better than I remembered. I, I thought of it in my head as a very difficult first season, right? Didn't it feel like he was kind of up and down? I know he was injured at one point. It, yeah, yeah, it was kind of an up and down, but he did show these moments of he's kind of like Toby Alderweireld light. He has this ability to play balls in behind the opposition defense. Yeah. He's he's fairly decent at getting up on corners. Um, but he, his distribution game is, is excellent. And I, uh, yeah, he, I like, I think him. that's a really good comparison. And I think he could really be due for a, for a big breakout year. I mean, he's a really highly rated player. He's a member of the, you know, starter on the German national team, uh, you know, super talented. Uh, so yeah, Mustafi is, is my defensive buy for Arsenal. I mean, I, you know, I think that, um, Bel- you know, Bayern is uh, 6 million and, you know, if he is earning starts in the, and now that Arsenal's finally doing the three at the back, um, you know, if he's a consistent starter in that squad, um, then I think he's interesting at six million. But, you know, the thing about, you know, um, Baron is he's just not a great, he's not a natural goal scorer. Um, so if I'm not sure you're yeah. getting that much more for the extra point five with Baron. He really fell off last season. I agree. And if you're looking for that pacey premium defender, there are so many other great options. Uh, particularly Marcus Alonso right. and the budget gets very tight I, to I fit someone like Bayer like David Louise over, over Bayer and just in the consistency <laughs> of starts. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, players to avoid, uh, you know, Koscielny for the first two weeks, um, just cause he's, he's suspended for the first two matches. Uh, Theo Walcott is, um, you know, he's reasonably priced at 7.5 million, but he's, um, he's just a streaky player as, as anyone who has played the game knows. And, I don't really know how he fits into that squad. I mean, I'm not sure if he's even. He fell start. off the face of a cliff at the end of last season. He just disappeared. What do you think about Aaron Ramsey? Well, I guess he's the one that is being talked about most here, leading into the uh, game week one. He seven million. He he plugs a hole in your midfield, 
And there, I think his purple, his legendary purple patch for FPL is still close enough in our memories that that we we think we think we can go back there. But we'll talk about Crystal Palace in in a bit. But I think if I'm comparing Aaron Ramsey at seven million to a guy like Wilfred Zaha. I'm leaning towards somebody more like Zaha. Yeah, I, I agree, yeah, or, or, or William, yeah. Or somebody whose who's role in the team is a little more well-defined. Ramsey is a, is a really top-class player when he's on his game, but his role in the team sort of yeah. sort of shifts depending on the week. Even someone like Knockert on uh, Brighton, like just someone who's like the whole team is running through, you know? I just, I'd rather yeah. take a chance on someone like him who's a you know, million cheaper I might I might actually move Ramsey into the uh, wait and see. Uh, this is yeah. not a controversial statement, Josh, but I might move him in, into the keep an eye on category. Just, it's starting to feel more and more like that big breakout season he had was a little bit of a, a fluke. Uh, that's that's my opinion anyway. I, I like Ramsey as a player. I just don't know that he's he's got the the goals in him. Especially if I, there's no way he's going to line up as an attacker in this team. So what about uh, Kalashnikov? Yeah. How, how do I? Okay. The, Add it to the laundry list of player names I can't pronounce. So he had three goals and nine assists last season uh, for Schalke. Uh, pretty impressive. He's uh, He can play all over the pitch, right? So he can play left back, left midfield, center back, defensive midfield. By the way, if you're not going to transfer market, that's transfer and that's M-A-R-K-T, uh, to look up players, I, I really highly recommend it because it is, if you want to blow like an entire week just looking at, it is an irresistible website if you've never been there before. And it's a great place to find information on players, especially new players uh, to a squad. But you can find out about anybody. I mean, you can you can, you can, go, you can look at Mesut Ozil's entire career, every goal he scored, every yellow card he's picked up. Uh, so it's all for free, too. That's a free advertisement Speaking right there, Brian. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, but you just brought up Mesut Ozil. Where does he Where does he factor into your plans? Well, uh, how is yeah, that? Well, how does he compare? I was surprised by how well he did last year. Right? I mean, I, fe- I felt like he, mm-hmm. he was kind of in that Mustafi category. I felt like he was hugely disappointing. But you know, he did score eight goals and eleven assists last season, and he's going to finally have you know a striker who can you know consistent striker playing in front of him. And does that make him? I mean, what do you think about Ozil? I mean, you're, you're the one who tends to have him in your squad. Yeah, um, I like him as a. It's funny to call nine point five million a budget way into anybody's midfield, but he's always been alongside Alexis Sanchez. I like that price tag for Mesut Ozil, and I agree. He loves to pass. He he so rarely shoots, and I think he'll benefit from having um, a proven striker like Lacazette. Like I mean, I would guess. Do you like him more um, than, than Leroy Sané at eight point five million? Um, yeah, I think I do because, uh, we know Wenger loves Ozil and he will play him pretty much any match, be it midweek or weekend. So I think you're probably going to get far more minutes for your dollar with Mesut Ozil. What about Coutinho at 9 million? Uh, we'll talk about that when we get to Liverpool, but, um, Coutinho, uh, is probably going to win that bracket for me. Yeah, I think so too. All right. That's, that's like 40 minutes on Arsenal. Let's move on to the next squad. Brandon, take the lead on Bournemouth. Bournemouth, Eddie Howe's squad coming back, um, after a pretty, pretty remarkable campaign last season. They managed to somehow improve even after buying, uh, weirdo players like Jordan Ive and Jack Bilcher. (laughs) Uh, they start the season um, 
with a weird run of fixtures, West Brom and Watford, not too intimidating, but then they get hit uh, one, two with Man City and Arsenal. So uh, there is some trepidation here. Uh, but the players to definitely look at buying in Bournemouth's squad, Azmir Begovic, you know him, you love him. He's priced to sell at 4.5. And uh, the popular thing to do will be to rotate goalkeepers. You've got to love how a 4.5 Begovic on a, a pretty good mid-table squad is going to rotate with somebody like Tom Heaton. Yeah. Is there any is there any concern that he isn't the starter? I mean, I, I think he I think he is myself, but is there any 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 chance that um, um, what's his name Arthur Burrich? Uh, that Burrich? Yeah, I mean, I I guess it's true. I was I was pretty surprised that they brought in a, a goalkeeper like Begovic because Arthur Burrich is is known for having a couple pretty big howlers a season, but. That said, he's a he's a really great shot stopper. Yeah. He seems very ingrained into that defense. So um, to disrupt that back line just to bring in a guy like Begovic, who probably on paper is better than Burich, just makes I, me I agree. Bit, it, there's some it just doubt. Makes me a little nervous about bringing him. I, I like him a lot too, but it does make me a little nervous. That may be why FPL priced him at 4.5 yeah. is they don't even know themselves. Not that they can dictate who what the starting lineup is, but it's a good question. Yeah. Uh, somebody who's definitely nailed on, though, is Nathan Ake, a bit of a homecoming for him in in a way. He was there on loan last season and had a fantastic run of games where um, he was contributing goal after goal. But uh, the one question mark here is the price tag at 5.0. Do you feel like that is is a luxury for a Bournemouth defender? Well, it's not that I think it's too expensive for him. I, you know, I think he's, I think he, you know, he can score. He's a, you know, he's he picked up a lot of bonus points in his you know, sort of limited time at Bournemouth last year. The question is, you know, the, the, the real problem is that there are a lot of great 5.5 million options on top clubs right now. And so it feels like a luxury as like a fourth defender. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I, I, it kind of all comes down to what your team structure is. Right. If it looks like you have five million left to bolster your defense, I think Ake is a great option. I mean, clean sheet opportunities in three of their first five games, probably right. I mean, they're they're way to West Brom, home to Watford, um, and then home to Brighton in game week five. Yeah, like sandwich. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. But then they it's decent. Yeah, but they do play Man City and Arsenal in the other two fixtures. So uh, you know, any 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 defender you bring in, you'd want to have to you know, you want to be able to rotate them. Real quick before we talk about the big Bournemouth elephants in the room, players to avoid. Uh, I don't dislike anybody on this team, but they had this bevy of of kind of oddly priced midfielders. They kind of lure you in with their um, cheap price tags like Harry Arter or Pugh, Gosling, and uh, like I mentioned, Ibe, um, who's, who's still around. I, I think those are guys that are form, tend to be form players fantasy-wise. Uh, and I, and I like to stay away from them like that. You might, you're probably better off looking at cheaper, um, more high flying midfielders at teams lower in the table. Like we're going to talk about Huddersfield in a bit and, and teams like that where you can get a 5.5, 6.0 guy that is definitely going to be starting definitely on set pieces and all these things. So uh, I mean, do you, am I, am I going Contra to your opinion of the Bournemouth midfield? No, you're not. I mean, uh, Stanislaw is reasonably priced at six million, but he's the only one that I would really. And I, I don't plan to start the season with him, but maybe long term, he's a player to, that I would maybe bring in. 
Okay, players to keep an eye on. On Twitter, Jason uh, added us and said, adding to the Bournemouth discussion, can King rule, in quotes, you see what he did there, uh, against the main foe, uh, JD? I assume he's talking about uh, Jermaine Defoe. So this is the question. I think King at 7.5 and Defoe at 8.0, we have to... I'm not sold on either of them at the moment. King was just such an epic FPL asset last season at, what was he, 6.5? Uh, yeah, I did, even that high? I think it might have been like 6 million. Or maybe even lower, but plus he was a midfielder playing out of position. He was just going gangbusters. So we just need to find out how uh, Defoe and King are going to split their time and split their FPL points. And before we know that, I'm not sure if I'm ready to invest in either of them. Uh, King actually ended the season at 6.2 million, so he might have started at like 5 million. I mean, he was he was not... I mean, the season before, he'd only put up, you know, he put up six goals and three assists, and so he you know, he almost tripled his uh, his goal output. And it, right, so that, that's a huge price jump for him to 7.5. We love him as a player, but 7.5 is a very tricky price point. It is, although it makes me think maybe we are underrating him a little bit. I mean, it just depends on whether you think that... I mean, the guy was scoring like almost every game week uh, the last half yeah. of the season. Sure. I mean, you're going to have to... We're going to have to compare him to guys like Chicharito. If you're unable to work Firmino into your front line as a third striker, then maybe... Maybe we're talking about King versus Chicharito and things like that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, he, yeah, I, I agree though. I think that you know, King is King is the one that I would want of King and Defoe. Yeah, the only midfielder uh, going back to the uh, mid-price midfielders at Bournemouth, Junior Stanislaus. He has a hernia injury right now, but six point um, could become a decent price for a guy like Stanislaus. Uh, I agree. Uh, Brighton and Hove Albion, a new promoted squad. Um, I have to say thank you to uh, to our friend Scott uh, Scott Fraser who uh, put together a uh, Brighton and Hove Albion uh, team preview that we uh, posted up on alwaysgene.com, so you can go there and check it out. Uh, and I actually learned a thing or two from his preview. It was right good learning. It was. So, okay, here's what, here's what you need to know about uh, Brighton Hove, Albion. I'm just going to say Brighton. Lay it Brighton on me, dude. On out, okay? Brighton. What you need to know about Brighton, Brandon. I like that. That's a little. That's yeah. Lot. I, that's nice. I like that. I like that. What do I, what do I need to know about this newly promoted managed team? Managed by Chris Hutton, a manager who uh, has, has taken teams up before. He actually took Newcastle back, I think, way back in 2010. Uh, but also managed uh, Norwich in the Premier League. And... Uh, uh, brought Brighton up this season. Uh, they had they kept the most clean sheets in the championship. Uh, they allowed only forty total goals last season. And uh, if you want to learn more Which about the this, championship, is not known for its great defensive uh, performances. Uh, no, not for, it's, it's such a slog, you know. I mean, they they they, they yeah. play you know two games a week a lot of the season. It's a forty six game season plus plus playoffs. So it's yeah, it's impressive. It's very impressive. Uh, maybe that's 44 games. I don't know, something like that. If I was going to recommend anyone on Brighton as a, as a must-buy, I would look at the defense, uh, mostly because they seem like they line up really well to be good 4.5 million, uh, maybe fourth or fifth defenders. Uh, Lewis Dunk and Shane Duffy are the two players that um, kind of rise to the top of the heap of the players that people are certainly talking. I mean, let, let's be honest here. When, I, when I, we talk about a club like Brighton, we really rely on the advice of others, right? Uh, because I didn't watch... We're not experts. Yeah, I didn't watch... Any Brighton last year, uh, to be you know wholly honest. Um, so Shane Duffy of the two seems like the one that people are recommending. He's a, a center back. He is an Irish international. He scored two goals last season. 
Uh, as did Lewis Dunk. Apparently, Lewis Dunk has a little bit of set piece prowess, but uh, most of those set pieces are going to be taken by other players. Uh, so if you're looking for a... Some sort of an alley-oop situation there? Is that what we're talking yeah, about? He sets up... Uh, he's, just, he's just setting him up for the dunk. You know, he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's very unselfish. Their goalkeeper is Matthew Ryan, who's uh, is actually the starting goalkeeper for the Australian national team, which is sort of interesting. Uh, and uh, he's 25 years old and has kind of bounced around clubs the last uh, last few seasons. So um, I don't know. I, I, w- I wouldn't necessarily look at Matthew Ryan just because I don't really... He's very unproven at this point. Um, the player in the midfield to keep an eye on would be Anthony Knockert, who is uh, six million. Uh, he was the championship player of the year last year. Uh, played for- lots of people talking about Knockert, and he is a player. You know, we talked about um, you know some of the seven million options. Someone like Aaron Ramsey earlier. I think I'd rather take the risk on someone like Knockert. He's it's a little bit of that Robert Snodgrass category where you know he only costs six million. You know, last year he scored fifteen goals and had eight assists. Uh, kind of that you know the talismanic player on that team. Uh, so I think he's he's really tempting at six million if it fits into your squad. I mean, he's definitely a fourth defender, or excuse me, fourth midfielder option. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that the the risk taking, and I, I think that you get into that six to seven million range for your midfielder. I I I would prefer to take a knock hard chance. Uh, the other player to talk about in the midfield is Pascal Gross. Uh, who is priced at uh, 5.5 million? He uh, is new to the Premier League or new to the new to England, I guess. He um, scored five goals and six assists last season in the Bundesliga. But what's really interesting about him is that he created 95 chances, which is more than any other player in the Bundesliga. It's pretty extraordinary that he created more chances than anyone on Dortmund or Bayern Munich or Bayern any, of the other, any, any of the other top clubs. Uh, yeah, um, and just briefly, we don't have to talk too much about any of the other players in this team because there's no one else I'd recommend bringing in. You know, Glenn Murray um, he scored 23 goals in 39 games last season, but you know, Glenn, Glenn Murray is a player that we all, if we, you know, anyone who's playing this game for a while knows about Glenn Murray. I mean, it's, he's not getting any younger, and he didn't really get it done in the Premier League, right? He's got the Cameron Jerome syn- syndrome, and uh, the uh, other metaphor you could use is a bad penny, like. Glenn Murray just keeps showing up (laughs) in the FPL. He's found his level, which is great championship striker. And he kind of comes up here and it just doesn't quite work. And, you know, by the way, that not to be clear, that is a much higher level than either of either you or I have played. I know. And my not getting any younger crack was was cruel as well. But, you know, neither neither either of us, Brandon, right? I'm I'm not aware (laughs) of uh, reversing the aging process. No. Uh, all right, let's move on to uh, who we've got next here, Brandon. Is it Burnley? Oh, we've got Burnley. Right. We've got Burnley. I'm burning for Burnley. I'm feeling the burn. Uh, they have an insane start to the season, so take all of this Burnley chat with a grain of salt. They're away to Chelsea, then they host West Brom, then they're away to Spurs, Crystal Palace, then Liverpool. So um, you better be along for a wild ride if you start bringing in Burnley players right now. That said... The top goal, the top scoring goalkeeper of last season's FPL, it's Tom Heaton coming in at 5.0. This dude is a save machine. So um, you can't be scared off by bad fixtures for Burnley when it comes to Tom Heaton because he makes all of his money by shot stopping. And uh, need we remind you that every every third save, this man is going to get another point. And I think it might be a productive first month of the a season for so him. Do you are, are you you know, I feel like the kind of um, uh, the template uh, goalkeeping rotation right now is uh, is Tom Heaton and uh, Ben Foster. 
Um, and are, is, that, is, that a, is that a rotation that you're looking at for your own squad? Uh, no, not necessarily. I'm, I'm not really too big on West Brom at the moment. They just had a really hard time keeping clean sheets last season. I do realize that we're talking about shot stoppers here, not clean sheets, but um, that West Brom team is getting old. They need rejuvenation, and while Ben Foster is a quality goalkeeper, I, I feel like I might go elsewhere. Yeah, and I also think that, I mean, I mean, Three of these starts for, for Tom Heaton are not good, right? Three of the first five games, I mean, away to Chelsea, away to Spurs, away to Liverpool. You did not want Tom Heaton. I mean, Tom Heaton was an absolute rock at home last year. I mean, they were impenetrable. But away, yeah. he was just another goalkeeper, right? I mean, he I know he'd rack up some saves, but he also had his fair share of one-pointers last year on the road. Yeah, it's true. And, okay, so Tom Heaton is, is like the nailed-on goalkeeper. He proved himself last season, but I, I do agree in that regard, Josh, and that this could be a whole new ball game for Burnley uh, going into this season. It could kind of fall to pieces, and for as good a GK as Heaton is, he might just have a string of one-pointers for the first month or two. He, that, that is a possibility. And if you're thinking about wildcarding early in the season, as, as many of us are, even those of us who don't think we are, uh, we'll, we'll often end up doing it. Why not just wait and bring in Heaton in game week, you know, six or seven? Why not bring in, you know, someone like Fraser Forster, you know, who is like has much better fixtures throughout the season. And then, you know, you can wildcard in Heaton after that. Yeah, and if if Heaton's um, ownership is huge, as uh, right now he's in 12.4% of teams, it's not like his value is going to skyrocket at the start of the season because he's probably just going to sit in those teams for the time being. I don't see his value fluctuating a whole lot unless he gets injured at the start of the season. All right, so who else do we have in Burnley? Okay, so uh, Ben Mee, he's already at 10.7% ownership. He's a 4.5 defender at Burnley. Played fairly decently last season. And if you're looking for any other avenue into the Burnley defense, Ben Mee is the uh, the people's choice. <laughs> I do, Speaking I do of people... As a fifth defender. Yeah, yeah. N- not bad at all. And uh, So I guess we should talk about this real quick, where we stand on fifth fifth defenders at 4.5 versus 4.0. We talk about this a little bit in our 10 rules for FPL success episode and making sure that every one of your defenders plays. But um, is that a non-starter for you if you're if to plug plug the fifth defender with 4.0? Well, I mean, I no, I I don't think so. I mean, I, I think you can get away with it. I mean, like I know like a lot of people, for example, are breaking in Hunemeyer, uh, who's a player on Brighton. But he's not a starter. I mean, he just he just isn't, and he's not expected to start. They don't play three at the back, uh, you know, because Hunemar is a central defender. And I just talked about Duffy and, and Dunk earlier. Um, it, it's just there there is no, there, you know I mean the, this, they're pretty smart about the way they price this stuff, and right right now there isn't a great four million fifth defender option. So uh, can you get away with it? I think you can, but you also don't know what kind of rotation. Not even necessarily rotation, but just there are players who you think are going to look at someone like DeAndre Yedlin, right? Who's a really tempting yeah. player to bring in, but is he like we can't say for sure that he is starting, right? So, right, you right. kind of want to have that fifth defender spot filled with somebody who's actually going to play just in case, you know, just just to cover you. Yeah. So I think you nailed it. This is why a guy like Ben Mee is a player to buy because he's a good insurance policy as your fifth defender and that, you know, you have somebody to plug a hole if there's rotation in in your starting defense. 
A man that needs no introduction on the buy list, though, Josh. It is the Volkswagen, beep, beep, Sam Volks, come in at 6.0. Now, this is kind of a joke if anyone was listening to Always Cheating at any point yeah, last season. Short. You know, he's, he's had his moments. <laughs> Volks has definitely had his moments. He's even had moments at the, at the Euros for Wales. I mean, this guy is a legend. Um, but at, at 6.0... Uh, it's an uncertain value because Vokes' playing time is always up in the air. Now, it's not like Burnley have signed a bevy of like young strikers over the summer. It's it's still Gray and Barnes who are going to be competing for that that space. But and Barnes um, kind of emerged as the as the like the force. I feel like the second half of last season. Yeah, totally. Um, players to avoid on Burnley. I feel like Jack Cork at four point five. He's a he's a great player in the Premier League historically. He's moving from Swansea, and at 4.5, there is that sort of budget temptation. But this guy is a a holding midfielder. He is a poor FPL asset. He can't score you any points. I would direct your attention to Swansea's Tom Carroll if you're looking for somebody in this bracket who can actually get you an assist uh, or or make something happen from the midfield. Jack Cork, not the man. Corky. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I really came down hard on Cork there. Um, I have players to keep an eye on on Burnley. I like Robbie Brady. Um, uh, Ken Rooney is one of his, his favorite fellow Irishmen. At 5.5, Robbie Brady is a great set-piece specialist. Uh, the concern with Brady, though, is his playing time. He, he did get rotated a little bit um, like, for like, Burnley like, when he came in last like season. Murray, right? You know what you're getting with Robbie Brady. You do. You know what you're getting. You're going to get one glorious week where he scores a fantastic free kick, and then he kind of disappears for a month. He's but, the kind of player that's uh, going to score like a goal and an assist in game week one, and like pick up like 18 points or 15 points or something like that. And like everyone is going to draft him in, and he's going to get up to like 6.1 million, and then not do anything for five weeks. Oh no, he's going to get a Gaston Ramirez sort of season. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I don't know. I, it, it, it could go the exact opposite way, though, Josh. Uh, an interesting move that Burnley recently made, Phil Bardsley from Stoke, moved in, and uh, he's apparently suffering from back injury right now, Josh. But if he's healthy going into game week one, you've got to like Bardsley at 4.5. Jester Fish has a question. Can Burnley repeat the home defense success with the loss of Keane? Uh, Keane, who moved from um, from Burnley to um, Everton in the offseason. Uh, tempting for budget rotation, but not sure I can trust it. That's what I wonder about this Bardley move or Bardsley move. Is, is that really the the defender you're well, going he's not to bring a in? Defender, is he? Well, yeah, it, it, and exactly my point. And I I'm not seeing them. Uh, I mean, heck, I don't know. I've been I've been following uh, Burnley's summer with with any with any <laughs> microscope. I think, but I think it comes. Uh, Bardley, to, Bardley sort of answers that question for me. I I'm skeptical of their defense going into the season. I think it comes down to that the, the you know the the small the small stadium you know the sm- like you know it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great you know it's a, it's a great fan base um, you know and I think that Heaton is still there. I mean I I think I think that I actually think they will repeat their success. I don't, I don't know why they would be any any you know that much more. Um, that much leakier without Keane, you know, given that all the other elements are still in place. Yeah. All right. That's enough Burnley talk, Josh. Take More us to, uh, yeah, take us to West London. <laughs> right. So Chelsea, 
there's a lot to say here about Chelsea. The first thing I'll say about Chelsea is it's a, it's a tricky start to the season for them. Uh, they, they have a great opening fixture. Uh, they play at home to Burnley, the, the Burnley we just talked about for 40 minutes. Uh, and then they play uh, Spurs, Everton, Leicester, and Arsenal in the next four fixtures. And um, just not not a, a, an ideal start to the season for them, I would say, especially because they're integrating a lot of new players. Uh, who are they integrating? Yeah. Well, the first one is Alvaro Morata, who I am... I'm just I'm on board here, Brandon. I'm just going to say it. I am in the Alfaro Morato fan club, big fan. He was your second. He was your second draft pick in our in our uh, FPL draft. Well, I technically had two picks in a row, so I, I knew I you know I knew I knew I wanted him as one of my forwards. Okay, we've taken enough heat on our draft strategy. <laughs> exactly. Let's move on. Uh, so Morata is uh, he's ten. He's priced at ten million. He's twenty four years old. I uh, had uh, 20 goals and six assists and 43 appearances for Real Madrid, uh, and that was in very limited minutes. Uh, as everyone knows, Real Madrid is basically about five teams packed into one, uh, and mm-hmm. some of the absolute best players in the world can't even crack that squad. Uh, it's it's where like amazing players go to kind of disappear, right? Unless you're Ronaldo and. I don't know, maybe Gareth Bale. <laughs> I like it as, as like a footballer witness protection plan. <laughs> I mean, hey, you're going to go there. You're going to win the Champions League. Uh, you're going to make a ton of money. You get to live in Madrid, but, you know, you might not play. You the, get to grow your hair uh, out long and get a top knot going. But he is a, a super highly regarded player. He um, So he was, actually, he was actually moved to Juventus, uh, and he was so good at Juventus that uh, Real Madrid exercised their buyback clause to bring him back into the squad. Um, but then they were like, you know what? We'd rather spend, you know, 150 million on Mbappe. So uh, why don't you move on to Chelsea for 55 million? So, <laughs> um, but Chelsea have a what's what's soon to be a Diego Costa size hole at the front of their um, attack, and uh, he fills in that spot quite nicely. Um, if you've watched any, any, I don't know if you've seen any videos of him, Brandon, or really remember watching him play at all. But I don't. I haven't seen a whole lot of Murata, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen a ton. I, I he's been on my radar for a few years because it was longer that Arsenal were after him, uh, and you know, before he moved to Juve, there was some talk that he might move to Arsenal instead. So he kind of got on my radar, and I've been sort of following him ever since, just in that way that you sort of, you know, you learn about a player, and you're like, I want to. I, I want to see if Arsenal made the right decision or not, basically, is how I usually see it. So, uh, you know, but obviously Arsenal should have bought him, uh, and uh, he's been he's been racking up goals, and I think he'll do the same thing at Chelsea. I'm excited to see how he plays. Uh, now, we've got a couple questions here relating to the Chelsea defense, Josh. Uh, Dan Henshaw says, can Alonso justify his $7 million price tag? And Jeremiah Johnson in with the message, Alonso, worth the $7 million? So where do you stand with the Chelsea defenders right now? Anybody that, yeah. that is a buy, definite buy? I'm kind of working myself. You know, the fixtures throw me off a little bit, for sure. I mean, I, I'm i wondering if my if I, if I want to save a Chelsea defender for my first wild card. Especially a, mm-hmm. a 7 million Marcus Alonso when there's a good chance he doesn't keep a clean sheet in, what, at least three of the first five games? Yeah, I'd say those are pretty good odds. I mean, if if he turns uh turns into a stinker the first four to five game weeks, maybe you can get him in in your wild card for point one cheaper if he loses some value. That's true, and he's not gonna I mean, at seven million. He's not gonna rise that high anyway, right? I mean, it's no one's gonna have the money to bring him in even if they want to. So yeah, no, no, I yeah, I I, I agree. Yeah, you're not. There's not a huge amount of risk. 
there. I mean, you know, there's and so you know, Jeremiah mentioned, you know, if if he was a seven million midfielder, we'd bring him in right away. But you know, I'm not sure that I that's true. I mean, he you know, he has six goals and five assists last season, which is you know a really good return, but. You know, it's not that good for for a seven million midfielder, right? I mean, if I whoever I bring in, okay, let me maybe not whoever I bring in, but just in that seven million slot in my like mm-hmm. third midfielder slot, I'm certainly hoping for more than six goals and five assists this season. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But it's it's obviously the other thing is that you get the fifteen clean sheets. You know, you get the yeah. eleven bonus points. Uh, you know, you get uh, just. He, you know, is his like he's 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 on free kicks sometimes. Uh, he's he's a great yep. goal scorer. He's going to be in my team at some point this season for sure. I'm just not sure it's going to be in my initial squad. Yeah, you have to really like him. But the fact is, is at seven million, he becomes a gamble. So you're taking you're taking a risk. It's an educated risk, um, and it could pay off. But I think it's a risk all the same. I do think it's worth paying the point five more for Cahill and um, Osquetta over um, David Luiz. Uh, they're just they're they're more likely to to to, to pick up assists and goals. They're more likely to um, to pick up bonus points. I mean, Aspilqueta in particular, I think, is uh, really fairly priced at six point five million. Oh, definitely, the guy's a bonus point machine. Yeah. Um, Willian, what do you think about Willian? I love it. Um, I think he's going to factor heavily into the first couple of game weeks, especially if not long term through the season. Um, there was, there will be at least a hand, at least a couple of assists in the first couple of game weeks for William, if not more. He's a perfect pre first wild card player. I mean, yeah, really, I think it makes. I, I think there's he's in my squad right now, and I think there's a very good chance he stays in that squad through, um, you know, through August 11th, the big day, the big Friday. <laughs> and just real quick, going back to what we were saying about that seven million midfielder price bracket. It's a pretty it's a there it's a pretty easy price bracket to chop and change with. So as you're saying, what's what do you have to to lose bringing Willian in at the start? If you if it doesn't work out, get rid of him and bring in somebody who's hot. So uh, Chica Fernando says, uh, Willian or Sesk? Yeah. So what's the answer, Josh? I think you know. Well, I, okay. Yeah, I, I do think it's Willian, and I, I think it's Willian. You know, because of the particular circumstances where he's basically going to fill in. Or one expects him to fill in, and that Eden Hazard spot until Hazard comes back. So, you know, you might only have William in your squad for five game weeks or something like that. Uh, yeah. But in those five game weeks, I, I expect to get a better return than you're going to get from Sask. Uh, so, I mean, you can't deny he had five goals and 15 assists last year. Um, but his minutes are managed very carefully. I mean, he's just not, you know, he doesn't have the legs that he had before. And uh, he's, you know, he often comes off the bench, you know, and just, just one season before last, you know, he, he racked up five goals and 10 assists. Uh, so yeah, I, I like William a lot. And, uh, yeah, I think he's definitely the player. I, I think he's kind of the perfect third midfielder to start the season. Okay. Bachwai has been having a pretty active, uh, summer. He's been scoring a lot of goals in these, uh, friendly matches, preseason matches. We talked a little bit about him earlier in the pod and uh, he could see some playing minutes uh, because of Champions League rotation. Yeah, just, is there temptation? You no, know, I mean, just why take the risk, right? I mean, he's probably not going to start um, unless Conte comes out and says, I'm playing a, a two-striker rotation and Bachwai is one of my two strikers that I'm starting. I will not be bringing him in my squad. Uh, anybody else that we haven't talked about on Chelsea? Uh, just uh, the player to keep an eye on is Hazard, who we, we talked about a little already. Uh, 10.5 million, which is a huge price. 
Uh, set to come back in September, you would imagine his minutes will be managed slightly carefully at first. So we're probably not looking at bringing him in until something like October. All right, Josh, I'm kind of tired. Should we take a quick break and come back with uh, Crystal Palace? We're 25% of the way through our preview, Brandon. Same old podcast, always shaming. Okay, Josh, we're back, and we're going to talk about Crystal Palace here, who have a pretty generous start to the season. They host uh, Newbies Huddersfield Town to start with. Then they have Liverpool. Then we have Swansea, Burnley, and Southampton. So that's a pretty decent, pretty decent run of fixtures. Uh, Liverpool could prove tricky, but uh, players to buy for Palace. His name has come up a few times already. Wilfred Zaha. I feel like he's fairly priced at seven million. Sure. Would you agree? I do. I wish he was six point five, but I, I think, but seven is the is probably the right price. I mean, he's a frustrating player because he should score more, and he kind of always looks to to fall down. Yeah, he. but the fact remains he's kind of the focal point of the attacking midfield there. That, that said, I do feel like Andres Townsend is a decent alternative, particularly because he's priced much lower at 6.0, and he's kind of a form player. Uh, I mean, fr- frustration is kind of the name of the you game. Sound, you but sound frustrated. <laughs> I am. This whole thing, uh, you're like, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, some guy that he's a guy that's on the edge of two by versus one to watch is Mila Vo, Mila Vojevic. Yeah, Mila Mila um, Jovovic. Yeah, she's the star of Mila star of the Fifth Element and uh, and many others. And the Resident Evil series, Josh. But uh, priced at five point oh, he is he's the second coming of Johan Kabai. He's on penalties um, when he's on the pitch, or or if. Benteke isn't is I guess it's like one of those things. If Benteke's off the pitch, or say for instance, Josh Benteke's missed like a trillion penalties over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, he's. I, I actually watched. There's a little recency bias here, but I actually watched a um, the Asia Cup, whatever it was, Asia Cup third place game or something uh, that happened over the weekend, uh, and I saw I saw him play, and I saw him score an excellent free kick uh, on, a, on, a, on a free kick that was won by Zaha. And, um, you know, I remember him being on penalties last year. His, his price is excellent. I mean, at $5 million for a player who's on penalties um, will probably be involved a little more centrally than he was last season. Uh, I'm really thinking about him as I'm, – I'm thinking about not bringing in Zaha but having him as my fourth, uh, as my fourth midfielder. Yeah, I like it. I think the one thing that we have to scrutinize as the season gets going is what his playing time looks like. Sure. If he, if if he's nailed on the starting eleven, I feel like he, he, he's a great option, right? Yeah, totally. A really interesting price and a bit a bit of a risk to be sure. Um, you know, maybe he's better in a uh, you know a five team uh, midfield. You know, if you're doing like a, a three five two formation or something like that. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that he's. There's, it's it's a little risky for a, for a fourth defender, but I am definitely considering the risk given how much money I want to invest in my forward line. Okay, so weirdly, this player has sucked up all the air in all of the FPL message boards across <laughs> the internet. Uh, Snake Hips Burroughs tweeted at us, Ruben Loftus-Cheek has a good points-to-minutes played ratio. He should get more game time at Palace this year. Worth a sniff. So Loftus-Cheek coming in at 4.5. Everyone is thinking, oh, this guy's a slam dunk for our fifth midfield position. 
But uh, I don't think either of us are too sold on this guy at the moment. I'm not. And I, I wonder if, like, the fact that everyone's so high on him has made me, like, curdle even more. You know, like, I'm sort of like, I'm like, no, no, never Loftus-Cheek. I mean, he could, he's an interesting option, for sure. It's just the bandwagon is so big. And, you know, if I brought him in, I would bring him in as my fifth midfielder. I don't plan to to play him, you know, if, if at all. I mean, I'm not planning to rotate my fourth and fifth midfielders, at least not at this point. So, yeah. you know, I guess if, if he, like, totally goes off, then it's nice to have him there um, because I'll pick up team value and maybe maybe he actually becomes my fourth midfielder. Um, but if things don't work out, I feel like I'm going to lose a lot of value because people are going to start selling him off right away. And um, and then suddenly I've got this, you know, 4.2 million hole on my fifth midfield slot. Yeah, be mindful if you bring Loftus-Cheek in. If he does well, great. But if he does poorly, you you will have to dump him with the crowd, right. uh, just as Josh is saying. Okay, players to avoid. Johan Gabay, obviously, no. Patrick Van Anhalt, he's priced at 5.5. Too much. He's a scoring defender, but it, it, this is too much. Um, I also just kind of don't like him, generally. I like Van Anhalt, but I, I wish he was 5 million. I mean, Crystal Palace is not good. I don't know why he's 5.5. <laughs> <laughs> All right, real quick, just just guys that I might be keeping an eye on. Jason Punchin at 5.0 is just, uh, just another sort of... He is what he is. Maybe. Right? He is what he yeah. is. Jeffrey Schlupp, I always liked him when he came onto the pitch for Leicester, but, uh, and he had some pretty like hot emoji flames, uh, YouTube clips making making the rounds a couple weeks ago. This guy's a really good player, but so if he if he gets time on the pitch he could be worth a sniff but there's so much competition in that midfield Christian Benteke 8.0 I just feel like that price is really bad when we're talking about guys like Chicharito now coming in at 7.0 and if you go 0.5 higher you're getting somebody like Roberto Firmino yep I I totally agree um I mean the, the the one caveat here is that the fixtures are very good to start the season so if you were Again, I, I, don't, I don't mean to raise this point up too many times, but like if, if you're playing an early wild card, then maybe you can get away with him at $8 million. The one defender that jumped out at me to Impalis, given the good start, is James Tompkins at 4.5. It's a really good price for a guy who is, you know, he didn't have like an amazing season last year, but I feel like he is... He's a great league player in that he's he's got the experience, and if he's nailed on, that's a really great, cheap, yeah. solid option. It's tricky with a new manager, right? We don't know exactly what that back line's going to look like. Yeah, Palace could stink, so take it all with a grain of salt. <laughs> Everton. <laughs> all right, club number seven. We've got four more to go, guys. Uh, Everton, uh, a terrible, terrible start of the season. They... They play Stoke. Okay, that's not bad. Stoke at home, followed by <laughs> uh, followed by Man City, Chelsea, Spurs, and Man United in game weeks two through five. My God, that is so cruel. Three out of four of those are away. Which, which you know, the w- w- you know, if, if we're being optimistic here, it means that there's going to be an amazing run to come. You know, in the future. Uh, and Everton, it doesn't like happen every year for Everton. Don't you feel like every year for Everton, it's like, no, you can't bring anyone in. But then from game weeks eleven to twenty three. They have like eight home games in a row, or you know, it's like this weird. They always have like yeah, which stuff. which is in itself a, a bait and switch. Like <laughs> yeah, uh, true. They, they never perform during that great run. So players to buy, uh, possibly no one to start. Um, lots of new players and some some tricky opening fixtures. Uh, Jordan Pickford is the only one that that 
I'll highlight here, although even him, I wouldn't bring it until my first wild card. Uh, Five million, and he was second in the league in saves last year. I think he's going to perform really well at Everton. I think it's a good buy for them. Um, I mean, there's always like he was he was pretty expensive, but if you look past the price, um, they needed someone like him. They needed a young, consistent keeper, and you know, with, with you know, I, I think given how well he performed in a terrible, I mean, he was the best player in that Sunderland squad. Oh yeah, <laughs> hands down, hands down. Players to avoid. Uh, well, one of them might be on his way out already. That's Ross Barkley. It looks like uh, Coleman basically admitted he's going to get rid of him this offseason. And the thing about Ross is. He just needs a fresh start, right? I think he just needs. <laughs> he tried to get ahead of the message by by uh, getting quoted in the papers as saying, "I want a new challenge." Right, right. Sure, sure. You so, do, Ross. I mean, there's talk about Spurs. I don't know why Spurs would would want to bring in someone like him. Uh, oh, he he can play alongside the uh, Sissoko. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then in like in a, I don't even know when they play like Carling <laughs> Cup games or something. Um, Bournemouth seemed like a good spot. For some reason, I have this idea that Barkley could play. Like, Eddie Howe would, like, bring out the best in Ross Barkley. Yeah, sort of like a dangerous minds yeah. uh, scenario. What, what about, like, Southampton? Doesn't that seem like a good squad for him, too? Yeah, yeah I like yeah. that. I think that yeah. could work. Um, and then uh, Kev Morales, who is a really streaky player, uh, priced affordably at $6.5 million, uh, but, uh, you know, just in and out of the squad. At least he, he was under Komen. Komen. Komen does like like to rotate his midfield. So um, I, I'd be wary of that whole midfield. But players to watch. There's lots of lots of new buys. We actually talked about this a little bit in our um, in our preview in a preview pod a couple episodes ago. Our price prediction, price prediction pod. pod. So uh, we've got uh, Wayne Runepig, who is uh, 7.5 million. Uh, he's only got he only scored. He's only got he got five goals last year uh, and he got five assists. Uh, but he should have uh, plenty of minutes this year, and I think he, he could definitely improve in those totals. The question is how much, right? How, what do you think is the is the ceiling for Wayne Rooney next year? The whole season. Uh, what the like? What is the FPL points ce- well, like ceiling? How many or goals and it's like what, so he had five goals and five assists last year. Do you think he can triple his goal haul this year? I think his ceiling is a Jermaine Defoe type of a season where like 15 goals. Okay, Baker's dozen plus that, two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's if everything goes according to plan. Yeah. I, the way these things can sometimes work out is, is Rune Pig will go out there, he'll have a point to prove, and he'll do his ACL like in, in game week three. Right, right. I would hate to see that because this is this is one of the more intriguing sort of narratives that's building. I'm just looking at game week five when Rooney will be making his return to Old Trafford already. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the five hours of pre-match coverage of, of Rooney coming it's home. It's kind of tempting to bring him in just for that game week one Stoke fixture, but I think it's uh, it's a little too risky. It's going to be that meta narrative of Rooney is coming home going to Everton, but he's going home to go to... Uh, my head, my head is spinning. <laughs> uh, All right, who who else yeah, are we watching? The, other, the, the player that I'm really interested in is Davy Clausen, uh, who is uh, 24 years old. Davy, Davy Clausen. He is 7.5 million, very fair price. Uh, 14 goals and 10 assists for Ajax last season. Uh, the last, the last sort of you know sort of promising Ajax midfielder who came who came through was Christian Eriksen a couple of years ago. Uh, I'm not saying that he is the next Eriksen, but I think that he is. Uh, uh, you know, he's a very highly rated player. I think that he is um, really fills a gap for them. I think that they really needed someone like him in the squad. He's gonna. Yeah. I think he's probably gonna end up basically taking that Ross Barkley role, and 
and I think he's gonna you know obviously he's, he's with a you know he's with Komen now so you've got a he's got a Dutch manager um, I don't know how much of a difference that makes but you know it, it doesn't hurt they can all speak Dutch together <laughs> Dutch together uh, and then you've got Sandro who's seven point five million he's uh, twenty two years old. Uh, 14 goals and five assists from Malaga last season. He's another. He's in that Lacazette mode. He's a five-nine striker, uh, and he actually came up through the Barcelona youth system. Uh, so if you liked the uh, Gerard Delafeo experience, then get ready for Sandro. <laughs> Sandro, the Delafeo, the return. <laughs> Uh, I I, I kind of have good vibes around Sandro. It's just just sort of feeling them. Seven point five is probably too rich for this, but I I do have him flagged. He's on the watch list, and if if he comes in showing the the ability to score, particularly given this run they have, if he starts slotting a few goals past City and Chelsea, then I'm definitely going to strongly consider Sandro. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, especially when their fixtures start to start to lighten up in a few weeks. Yeah, uh, and then the right. other one is, uh, you know, I don't think you really want any defenders to start the season, but uh, Leighton Baines is a very affordable price at six million this year. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, I, I like that. I mean, I, I, well, the whole set piece debate um, sort of the six point oh price tag hinges on Leighton Baines' ability to take set pieces because sure. that's where all of his all of his value came from in seasons past. Yeah. Um, and the last player, I'll just—I I don't actually have him have listed here, but as uh, you know, Keane, who joined from Burnley, um, you know, Keane is not much of a uh, not much of an attacking threat. And given how many attacking threats there are in this team already, right, in Leighton Baines and Seamus Coleman, um, you know, I just don't think that he's worth uh, the money. Yeah, that is that's a wait and see, particularly that rough start. All right, we have our next promoted team, Huddersfield Town. I'm excited about this because you are you are like a resident. It's not often in a podcast like this that you have an actual Huddersfield expert to to get into this. So you've been following. Yeah, people don't know that um, I lived in Huddersfield Town for many years. Um, my first wife was from Huddersfield. <laughs> you'll you'll you were born in Huddersfield and you'll die on Huddersfield. Yeah, but uh, all ninety-five intervening years, I'll I'll live in the United States. <laughs> do you think I'll live to to see age ninety-five, ninety-six? What do you think? Oh, that's that is interesting. Do I think that? That's the real question. That's why we've really gathered here today yeah. to guess how old that I'll live. So let's let's actually take it to the internet, Josh. I'm sick of hearing about people telling me what a great job I'm doing on the podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at Hell Cheaters and let let me know how how old uh, you think I'll be when I oh, die. Yeah, exactly. When's he gonna die? That's that's the next question. <laughs> I'm gonna regret right. that one. Who, who, okay. okay, kidding aside. Not, not okay. Again, this is a little bit like Brighton. We don't know too much about about Huddersfield. What, what what can you tell us? Well, Huddersfield. I think a lot of the um, talk around Huddersfield is going to revolve around David Wagner or Wagner, depending on which part of the world you're from. I don't want to get into uh, trippier trouble here. He's a former U.S. But, international, so I think we should say Wagner. Yeah, uh, and uh, he's also a, a Klopp acolyte. Um, he's he or a, a student of Klopp's, or he's coached with Klopp. best man in his wedding. Yeah, so there you go. They're they're just pals. They probably talk about strategy when they get together yeah, for they weddings were, they were, they were and such. minds together back when they were both playing. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm a Fulham fan, as, as many of you know, and I look at Huddersfield Town and I think of the team that, that Fulham probably should have been Huddersfield this season. Um, Huddersfield kind of 
fell off the pace toward the end of the championship season last season, but they managed to pull it, eke it out in the playoffs. So here they are. They've managed to make some interesting transfers over the summer. From Derby County, they brought in Tom Ince. And there are a lot of people out there talking about Aaron Moy, who is kind of the talisman, the the classic championship talisman of this squad. He's an Australian who was brought into the Manchester City, Melbourne City sort of um, vortex, and they shipped him off to Huddersfield Town on loan. And last season, Moy had four goals, seven assists. Um, but now they brought in Tom Ince over the summer, and it's assumed that Ince is going to be the one that might take penalties off of Moy, some of the set-piece duty that is making Moy really appealing. So that is a bit of a wait-and-see, but conventional wisdom is telling us that Tom Ince might be the better bet, even though he's priced at 6.0 versus Moy's 5.5. Okay. Um, and the and the and the other big attacking threat here is Steve Mooney, and this is a new striker that uh, Huddersfield brought in from Montpellier, and it looks like he's going to be playing as a lone striker there at Huddersfield. That's where Tri- Trippier uh, was born there, right? Trippier from Montpellier. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, is it pronounced Montpellier? No, no, I was just kidding. No, no yeah, I think <laughs> I think he had the right pronunciation. <laughs> uh, but uh, 14 goals, three assists last season for Mont- Montpellier is a record-breaking transfer fee for Huddersfield to bring Steve Mooney in. So uh, you like him? I'm, he's feeling like a bit of a bargain at 6.0, getting kind of. Well, it's, it's a little different than Andre Gray because Gray was proven in England when. Burnley came up to the the Premier League last season. Um, But here we are, Steve Mooney. I'm liking the cut of his jib. Okay, and the only thing I'll I'll add uh, here, actually, I I think we have a little more to talk about, but I'll just just add this right now, uh, which is that they they did not keep a lot of clean sheets last year, Um, very very few. I think uh, one of the lower clean sheet totals in the league. Um, And uh, David Wagner likes to uh, rotate his team a lot. So um, those are like two big red flags right off the bat. The one guy I kind of have uh, have put aside, don't think about this guy, being American homers as we are, Danny Williams, another summer signing, brought in from Reading. This guy is known to score screamers from like 30 yards out, but the fact is he's more of a deep-lying midfielder. And pressed at 5.0, I, I don't want people to get sucked into buying Danny Williams if, say, he ends up scoring a goal in the first game, even if he assuming he starts yep. so just just be wary okay, that's of him. a good that's a good note in case he scores you know in game week one or two or something like that yeah. uh, all right leicester city we have two clubs left to go here leicester i actually think we can we can probably move pretty fast to leicester because not too much has changed uh the one thing that's nice about the squad is that the prices have gone down um it's an okay start of the season for them it's not great uh they play uh, arsenal man united and chelsea in three of their first four uh, but they also play uh, Huddersfield and Brighton um, in, in in two of those first five. So, um, you know, kind of a kind of up and down, uh, a mixed bag. The players that I'm looking at as I don't even know I call them must buys right off the bat, but uh, Christian Fuchs, who is priced I think um, very com- like what are, compellingly at five million. Let's say compellingly. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, two goals and four assists last season. Uh, let's always keep a you know. A decent number of clean sheets uh he's great on set pieces and um he's just an all-around fun guy right he's like the guy in in the entire Premier League. he's like the guy i'd most want to like go to the bar with and, and hang out with 
Christian Fuchs. Yeah, yeah he's supposed to be like apparently. Awesome. Apparently, he owns a he owns a home in New York City, so we could do that. Yeah, exactly. We need to, Fuchs. Look us up, man. I, I know you listen to the podcast. Yeah, hit us up. We'll all, we'll all go to the football factory here. <laughs> you know, go to the, the Black Horse uh, here in here in Brooklyn. Let's let's make it happen. Far out. Speaking of uh, people I wouldn't want to hang out with, you've got <laughs> Jamie, Jamie Vardy here yeah. listen, listed okay. as a buy. I mean, at $8.5 million, he is – it's a very decent price. I mean, maybe not at the start of the season. Maybe you wait till the first four fixtures are over. But $8.5 million, 13 goals, 8 assists last season. He, the numbers aren't great, but he had, a, he had a very slow start last season. I mean, I think that you know, there's a lot of off-season drama. They – you know, they're playing in the Champions League for the first time. He almost went to Arsenal and decided to come back. I mean, it had to mess with his head a little bit. Um, so I, I think that I think we're going to see a better Vardy this year. And um, I, I think at that price, he's, you know, he's a guaranteed starter. Um, we, we, you know, you and I saw him score an excellent goal in a uh, in a friendly. Uh, or I guess it was another one of those Asia Cup games, right? Yeah. He looked good. Did we see yeah, he scored. Did we see him score? I think we did. Yeah, I, didn't we? I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Maybe we didn't. He looked good anyway. He was he was aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, players to avoid: uh, Riyad Mahrez with uh, a lot of asterisk here. Uh, Mahrez eight point five million. If he moves to a club like Arsenal, he's he's suddenly uh, very intriguing. But he fell off pretty dramatically last year, and he wants out of the squad. Uh, you know, he could be great value, possibly, but you know, I, I don't think it's. I, I, I think his his value at Leicester has kind of washed up. I have something to avoid here with Leicester. Their kits, uh, they 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 still insist on having gold on their kits, like they're they're still reigning champions of the Premier League. I don't Not like great, it. Brandon. Uh, players to watch: Danny Simpson. He's he's affordable at four point five million. He's he's really priced to priced to buy at four point five million. Uh, he did have a. I mean, if you watched Leicester play last year, and I I like Leicester, and I and you know I kind of. When if I if I don't have a rooting interest, which I kind of always do because I'm a fantasy maniac, but let's say I didn't, um, or let's say there was like three screens, I'm I'm always, I'm always drawn to the Leicester game, and uh, sure the eye goes to Leicester. <laughs> but he he really did have a poor season last year, and he finished second overall in yellow cards. So uh, he needs to either step it up, or or you just got to spend the extra point five and bring in Christian Fuchs. Yeah, right. Um, Vincent, anybody else to watch? Yeah, Keep an eye out. Yeah, just, just two more. I'll highlight or a couple more. I'll highlight quickly. Vincent Abora, uh, is a new signee from Sevilla, he scored seven goals three seasons in a row. He's very affordable at six million. Uh, you've got Damari Gray, who's who's really aggressively looking to step it up this year. Uh, always looks good in limited minutes. And he's only five point five million, but you know, is he in that Jordan Ibe camp? Remember last year, Jordan Ibe was five point five million, and we all thought we yeah, all thought he was going to take right. the leap, and it didn't really happen. So. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's true. Uh, and then, then yeah. Slomani, who is, um, you know, a good player who didn't quite break out last year, but he's only $7 million and, uh, you know, could be interesting. You know, I think it was actually Slomani, Brennan, that we saw score in that friendly. Yes, I was thinking the exact same thing. It was Slomani. All right, final squad, Liverpool. Oh, crack the knuckles, Josh. Here we are, the final the final preview of this episode. Of course, we'll be back with the next 10 uh, next week. But we're here with Liverpool. Uh, first, let's talk about their opening five fixtures. They're away to Watford, then host Crystal Palace. Two tricky fixtures then in game weeks three and four. It's Arsenal followed by an away match at the Etihad against Manchester City, and then a home match against Burnley. So probably more... I'm oh, sorry, but you could argue that Arsenal game is not even that. Arsenal at home, I feel like that's kind of okay for Liverpool. Yeah, it's it's 
this 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 start is more good than bad for sure. So I wouldn't be deterred by investing in Liverpool right out of the gate. So speaking of investing, who do we buy? Rich on Twitter asks, uh, if Coutinho goes to Barca, how does that impact Liverpool? So has the rumor mill still been churning about this yeah, possible move for Coutinho? It has, but it's kind of like the Alexis thing. And I think that Coutinho probably does want to move. Sounds like he might have agreed yeah. terms, but... You know, green, uh, green terms happens all the time, and nothing ends up happening. So I, I don't think that's. I, I'm sure. I think there is like there, there is there's smoke and fire in this case, but I actually don't think he's. I mean, <laughs> Liverpool came out and said we're not selling him. We're not a selling club. You know, we're in the Champions League this year. We want to win. I think he stays. Yeah, um, and if he stays, I think he's the top asset on this Liverpool squad. Nine point oh. That is. That's one of the most fair prices in the game, I think, going into this season. And that's 0.5 cheaper than Deli Ali. Now, Deli Ali has a somewhat different skill set, but Coutinho is just like hot FPL flames. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Coutinho, Ali, and William are probably going to be in a lot of people's midfield at the start of the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Firmino at 8.5. Of course, he's been reclassed as a striker in the FPL this season, which, fair enough. Um, and at 8.5, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting price for him as a striker. I don't know why and if you can classified as a striker. I think we talked about this on last week's podcast, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, it's not the type of role that he seems to play in the team. But, uh, yeah, they they... If Origi or Sturridge isn't out there, they've got more of a strikerless formation. Um, but I think this could be a great price tag if Liverpool comes out all guns blazing like they had sort of in the first third of last season. And he he could be a great alternative that can, or a differential, I guess I should yeah, say. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if you're going for an expensive three-man line, it's, it's really tempting to bring in Firmino. He's kind of... I, I'm sort of debating between the two right now. I think um, given the, the start of the season, I think you, I would recommend having one of those two. Um, and it just kind of depends on what you want your team shape to look like. You know, if you, if you really want to have Kane and Lukaku and you had Firmino, I mean, that's just, it's a lot of money to tie up in your, in your front three. Yeah. So you've kind of set me up to fail here, Josh. Uh, I know there are a lot of Liverpool fans out there, and now I have uh, to talk about Liverpool players to avoid. (laughs) So I fully expect to catch a lot of hell on the Internet for this. But um, cheap mids like Jordan Henderson and Emery Chan, they can be very tempting ways to get into the Liverpool midfield. But they always kind of end up being one-week punts that that never work out. So I would caution anyone who feels like they might get lured into the budget Liverpool midfielder. The defense at Liverpool, too, also has been very shaky the last two, three, four, 25 years. I don't know. Um, A lot of people talking about um, James Milner at his $6.5 million price tag. Uh, probably being on pens still it just seems a little too high to me for a team that you don't expect to be getting a lot of clean sheets over the course of the season yeah i have seen some people online make some very compelling arguments for milner but i i i do tend to agree and um yeah, if you don't mind me jumping on your line here, Brandon. Uh, oh, I please think, go go right. Yeah, ahead. I mean, there's the Virgil Van Dyke. Uh, you know, there's uh, who knows how close this is to happening. It's really uh, it's hard to say. I mean, it requires 
insider knowledge that, that I certainly don't have, but if, if he does make the squad, I think I'd rather have Van Dyke at a million cheaper than Milner. Um, and then that money can be used elsewhere. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, Van Dyke isn't going to be scoring as many goals off of corner kicks as Milner is off of penalties. But still, I think uh, the clean the clean sheet potential skyrockets if Van Dyke comes to that squad. And I like saving a million bucks because I'm going to need it elsewhere. <laughs> we all, you always do. I mean, this year, yeah, this year it's, it's, I don't know, it's interesting. Like, I actually feel like there's a lot of room to play with with my squad, but... Uh, I feel like I, I just have some agonizing decisions too. Like in that, in that forward mm-hmm. line in particular, I mean, how do you fit in Murata, Lacazette, uh, you know, uh, Lukaku? I mean, all the all the and Kane. How do you fit in all four yeah. of these and, strikers? And that's without talking about Jesus or Aguero. So it's right. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, well, speaking about forwards, it's kind of stating the obvious, but poor Origi at seven point five just brutally got pricked <laughs> out of the game. Yeah. So. Say say your goodbyes or Divac will will never hear from you again. I cannot imagine a scenario in which he gets into anybody's squad at seven point five. Well, I mean, maybe if he's a, you know, if he starts, if he's a consistent starter or something. In, in, injuries could factor into it. Now, lots of players at Liverpool to keep an eye on. We there are a lot of players that are standing out right now that we haven't mentioned. Mo Salah and Sadio Mane. These guys are kind of keep keep your eye on them for different reasons. Mo Salah has been looking great this summer, and he's kind of developing this um, chemistry with Coutinho that seems very apparent, and I'm kind of softening on my stance with Mo Salah, but still, um, I'm curious to see how it pans out. And then Sadio Mane, he's coming off of this massive knee injury. He's still, like, the most fun (laughs) player in the entire game to own when he's healthy and honest. He's got an argument, too. That, That is true. Now, should should we talk about Adam Lallana at seven point five? How do you feel about this? Yeah, I, I, he's kind of interesting at that price point, isn't he? I mean, it's it's it makes you want to bring him in a little bit, you know. But he's he's going to be behind all of these guys, and so it just depends on how I don't know. It depends on how far back Salah moves him, right? I mean, don't you think that with Salah in that squad, especially if you're playing Firmino, Salah, Coutinho. And yeah, say maybe you've, you're throwing Sturridge and Origi somehow in there. It, it is concerning. Yeah, so does he play in that Wijnaldum role or something? Once Mon- I think before Mane comes back, he's probably a decent option at 7.5. And uh, But I, I guess there's, there feels like there's enough ambiguity about his role that it makes me mm-hmm. reluctant to bring him in. If Coutinho stays, like the amount of depth going forward on Liverpool this season, yeah. it, it's been a pretty amazing turnaround, yeah, a, I think. Decent, decent challenge, I think, in the Champions League, too. I mean, you know, Klopp's got a lot of experience there. Obviously, he took Dortmund to the Champions League final. <sighs> Brandon, we got through it. That was uh, that was a fun hour and a half. I, I feel like I learned something. Like, despite myself, I actually learned something in this podcast. Yeah, yeah. You taught me something about friendship and about podcasting. And I learned what year you were going to die, which is 20, <laughs> 2074. <laughs> Let the death pool begin. <laughs> uh, all right. If you can, if you, if you want to find the podcast, if you want to, if you want to learn more and talk to us, uh, you can go to uh, twitter.com slash hail cheaters. That's H A I L cheaters. Uh, Facebook.com slash always cheating. You can email us 
hailcheaters at gmail.com. And you can support the podcast on Patreon, as talked about at the start of the podcast, at patreon.com slash alwayscheating. And if you want to join our exclusive head-to-head league and the winner gets to actually be a guest on the podcast, uh, then join by August 11th. Yeah, and don't forget about all those amazing FF Magazine uh, deals that we have up on the Patreon page right now. And they'll be going all season. Fantastic. Good. Good, Josh. <laughs> yeah. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast, rate and review. We really appreciate yep, it. And don't forget to tell your friends. We're trying to we're trying to grow the audience, especially early on in the season. We want to get people who have maybe never listened to the podcast before. Uh, don't assume that your friends listen because um, – uh, they probably don't actually. So tell them. <laughs> let's get the word out. And let's be let's let's be honest, guys. The advice on this podcast isn't so good that you need to keep this secret from the people you're competing <laughs> against in your mini. <laughs> what a what a what a damn eat admission that is. Uh, all right, well, guys, we'll see you next week with uh, with uh, Man City through West Ham. All right, we'll see you then, Josh. All right, uh, Poku forever. Luck, can't shoot. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.